Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, Ken's Fives Podcast on the San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Jackson Floyd, and joining me down from the mountains, it's mountain man Evan Klosky. What up? He's out hiking today, and then uh, someone's getting, letting the blue check go to their head a little bit. It's uh, Tom Petrini. Um, Tom, if I can just get your, your thoughts real quick on, uh, on uh, Rihanna wearing the Dennis Rodman jersey. Typical paparazzi not even asking me how I am. My back feels great, Jackson. Thank you for asking. Uh, and for the record, uh, the blue check is not going to my head. I've always been uh, a complete egomaniac. <laughs> the the back's hurting from carrying but, all but of the, the aviators the line, right what i what need to actually know, what people don't know about the blue check mark is that the aviators come with the blue check mark that once gotcha. you get it it's a gift from twitter these are actually uh the ones from burn notice i missed that show but i need to take them off because I, I literally can't see anything without my real glasses I so thought, i thought you borrowed them uh, from morpheus or something i look good is what we're saying okay gotcha. yeah you Everybody's know, uh, saying how verified I am, but nobody's saying how handsome I am, and that annoys me. I'm not gonna lie. Well, we, well, I'm, we more can than, I'm more than a big brain. I pretty looks as well. Right. What what we can verify though is there is basketball, regular season basketball on TV tonight. We're recording this Tuesday uh, as the season starts. Of course, the Spurs play Wednesday. Uh, how are you guys feeling about watching some real basketball? Awesome, right? I mean, it's it's. It's pretty crazy. It feels like just yesterday we were watching bubble basketball, but then we all forget that from the, the months of March through the end of June, we all just moped around and sat in the corner of our bedroom. So, you know, we deserve this. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Do pandemic, no pandemic, no pandemic, whatever it is. Like if basketball is not being played, I am sad because basketball is not being played. And if basketball is being played, I'm happy because basketball is being played. So basketball is being played tonight, and I'm happy. You want to know why? That's because ball is life. So, I mean, of course. Uh, that's a f philosophy only you gain from being in the mountains uh, on a hike. Speaking <laughs> of ball, have you guys seen uh, LaMelo? Some of those passes are sick. Yeah. Uh, I he, like him. How about the shot, got, though? Uh, he, I think he's coming yeah, to just – You know, whatever. He's as advertised, right? A great passer, great yeah. ball handler. I, th I think it's going to be pretty good. He's probably going to be rookie of the year, I think, but uh, we'll see. If it's not Devin Vassell. Yeah. Hey, and I, in other words, I think the, uh, the Knicks might be the, uh, in, the, in the playoffs for the Eastern Conference. They got quite the squad this year, Evan. No, I don't know what they're going to look like this year, but as I said it kind of like last year, and with the OB top in addition, they're close. They need guards. They have none of them, and that's going to hurt them badly. But, like, the Knicks are coming, and R.J. Barrett's going to be better this year. Like, Watch out. Not that they're going to make some noise, but they might not be pathetic. They might That's sniff big. out an eighth seed. Big. Yeah. Pretty big. Uh, for, for people just listening, I did like a office stare directly into the camera while that was happening. Just, you know, for, for my read on that, but you know, whatever. We, you guys want to talk Spurs? Yeah, yeah let's, let's move on. on. <laughs> well, well, so, so, yeah, go ahead, Jack. I'll just say, yeah, you know, the tip off tomorrow, but before they had to take care of a few housekeeping items. One of those, uh, they reached an agreement with Derek White on a contract extension, four years, $73 million. Uh, that locks White up as one of the three guys at the core of the future uh, with DeJounte Murray and Yaka Pertle. What'd you guys think of the deal? 
I thought it was fair for for both sides. I think it's probably going to be looked at as a bargain deal sooner than later. Um, Pretty much as soon as he starts playing uh, and if he's given the same free reign that he had in the bubble to shoot, to make plays, um, I think he's going to not just score a lot of points, but distribute a lot of dimes and play really high-level defense like, you know, top five guard in the league type defense. Um, and I, I think a lot of people were about to freak out if the extension didn't happen. I didn't think it was going to happen after 5 p.m. Got, got pump faked after the buzzer. Um, but that, that news came in, and I know people were going to freak out if they didn't lock him up. But the fact is, if they chose not to do it right now, they still could have brought him back next year. The only way that wasn't going to happen was if they just let him walk. And that I don't think was going to happen because this team is high on Derek White. Uh, Pop said it like a week or two ago that he's somebody who they plan on for the future. So um, they have now put that in ink. uh, And, you know, it's – I don't think anybody who says that he's not worth that $73 million four-year deal – watches Spurs basketball. Uh, I, I do not value your opinion about Spurs basketball if, if that's your take on this. Yeah. The thing about Derek White, he's not a household name. If, you're, if, if you are a casual basketball fan, you don't know Derek White really. I mean, you know him, but you don't really know of him. And the thing is, a player that we've compared Derek White to has been Malcolm Brogdon, right? Brogdon was four years, $85 million. So if you look at it like that, that's, that's a, a nice bargain for Derek White. Last year, you paid four years, $64 million for DeJounte, uh, a contract that Luke Kennard got this year. So, um, you know, when you look at it from, from those terms, I think it's hard to argue that you're, you could be upset about this. Like, yeah, I think going into it, the, low, the lowest they were going to get Derek White for was like $68 million. So, I mean... You know, it was like 68 to 70, like 75 million, I think was the range. So it's a little higher on that range that we projected, but it was still right there. As you mentioned, I think it's going to be a bargain. And here's the other point. If you had to tell me who the best player on the Spurs roster is, who is it? It's Derek White. All right. DeMar DeRozan is the best shooter. LaMarcus Aldridge could potentially be the biggest mismatch. But I think the best player on the San Antonio Spurs is Derek White. He does it all offensively and defensively. And when he is on the court, the team is a better team. It just He's their he's their best all-around player, no correct. doubt. Yeah, they, yeah. There might be players who like like DeMar is is he an a better player individually because of the stuff that he does exceptionally well? Maybe, but Derek White, you're right, does everything. He was second in the league for guards in terms of uh, – it, it was charges drawn right and then led the league in blocks for yeah. guards. It was, it, it, was, it was one of the – it was close. And that's uh, – but no, yeah, that's no shade to DeMar because DeMar is an exceptional right. scorer. Like that is a very – he has an elite trait there, and, and I don't want to besmirch any of that. But he can't do the things that Derek White can do defensively. He, you know, that, that's a totally different engine, and that's half the game. So when I think of the most complete player on the Spurs, it's Derek White. And when you think about projecting this franchise in the future, Derek White is a big part of it. 
And when we get into the preseason, why this team is sputtering a little bit and why I'm concerned for the beginning of the regular season, it's because Derek White is not on the court. Like, I love Keldon Johnson, and I think the Spurs definitely miss him. But I don't think Keldon Johnson's going to come back on the court and make this, like, enormous impact to where they can flip the team around. But Derek White can do that, in my opinion. So, like, uh, contract-wise, it's great. Derek's here for another five years and beyond. Uh, that's including this year. And the only, the only knock on Derek White is he gets injured. And that is something to, to watch out for. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know what, what type of injury this is. They say a second toe dislocation. He had the surgery at the end of August. We're now on the four-month mark, and he's not back. So I'm personally wondering what the procedure was. You know, he's had a lot of, like, foot issues in the past. I don't know if this was a bigger surgery on his, like, plantar fascia or whatever it might be. Four months seems like a lot for a second toe, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a big chunk of time to miss, uh, and that's a little scary. And he doesn't seem relatively close. I think he's going to be back at more of the six-month mark. Like, I'm, I'm guessing through the tea leaves that he's going to be back closer to February than uh, anything else. So um, maybe that's going to help him in the future. Like, maybe they just decided to get his feet right because that has been the issue. Th- those are the basis of his injuries, both feet. Right. Obviously, I don't think they should be taking any risk with him. You know, if it's not 100%, he shouldn't play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, he, I mean, it, yeah, I you, mean, like you, you're saying, he's a, he's a complete, complete packaged guy on both sides of the court. Um, he's proved on numerous occasions his value, if you look at the Nuggets series uh, in the playoffs a couple years ago, far and away the best spur in that series. Uh, the bubble, he was the engine behind it all, like you said. Um, this team's really going to need him, as we've seen. And we'll talk about that here in the preseason a little bit, Lon. Uh, the core of Murray, White, and Pirtle, um, very defensive, defensively elite, I would say. Those three paired up with each other. Uh, going forward in the future, how do you project them working alongside each other? What kind of players would you put alongside them? And is Devin Vassell the perfect complementary guy to those three players? Well, I mean, yeah, add in uh, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, Luka Shamanich, who the team uh, exercised the team options on all of them last night after the uh, DeJounte news. Um, you you want more defensive, long, shooting, versatile guys. And the Spurs have that. Maybe you want a, a pick-and-pop big man. So that's Aldridge. Maybe you want a guy who's more of like, you know, a fourth-quarter closer, bucket-getter, initiator. That's DeMar. So, um, you know, as, as far as how it, it's going to work on the court this year and beyond, the Spurs have built something mainly through the draft and through the Kawhi trade that is very strong, uh, especially defensively. Um, and with a team that has a core like that, you can afford to play a guy like Patty Mills, you know, a couple of minutes so he can – knock down a few a few shots you know you can you can afford to have not the strongest defensive counterparts because you have that defensive core um i think as long as lamarcus aldridge is on the roster it's going to be matchup based with Jakob pertel like against a team like the rockets if they're if they're only running one big man he might not play very much um 
that doesn't mean he's not a good player. That doesn't mean he he's not really effective in his role. It's just sometimes his role can be completely erased by the other team's personnel decisions. Um, but I mean, Dejounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Derek White. Those are you could add Trey Lyles in there. Those are guys who would fit with pretty much any group of players you could put out there and be able to space the floor, make plays, play defense, switch, and knock down shots. So, I mean, you really have to kind of tip your hat to the, to the roster construction. It's been a slow grind, and it's been you know boring at times and might seem directionless to some who aren't paying close enough attention, but like they built something pretty strong here. Yeah, I, I think that – the the Spurs aren't necessarily going to make much noise this year uh, long-term. I think if they can make the playoffs, that would be extraordinary. Um, but beyond that, when you look at the foundation of this team, like think about it like this. After this year, you're most likely taking DeMar, LaMarcus, Rudy off the roster. I still tend to believe Patty Mills will be back just because of the infatuation with Patty within the organization uh, not to mention the city of San Antonio. I think, you know, he's one of those like last staple kind of guys from the, the era we all know and love. So I, I tend to believe Patty might return, especially because I think last year, and we're going to see more this year, that he has value in a specific type of role. But once you remove those three out of the equation, um, the Spurs are going to most likely, if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to have a great selection in the 2021 draft we are a long ways away from talking about the 2021 draft we broke down the 2020 draft at nauseam but i'll let you know that the 2021 draft is stacked like if the spurs have a lottery pick they're going to get a very very good player so that's gonna be a nice addition and on top of that the spurs have tons of cap room now they can make a max offer to a veteran i don't see that happening they're not uh, really a, a destination spot for anybody, but there are a handful of restricted free agents out there who were not given uh, extensions who I think the Spurs will go after. And through a restricted free agency process, I think the Spurs might, might overpay a tiny bit for somebody who could be a huge impact sort of player. So when you project this roster with, in my eyes, Two really nice additions coming next year. One uh, will be a veteran piece in a sense after spending, you know, three to five years in the NBA. The other, uh, a really great young piece through the draft. Like it, it's going to get scary. Like the turnaround is going to happen quickly and they're going to be a very exciting bunch similar to the way that we'll talk about the thunder because I, Firmly believe Presti is going to use a ton of his picks to get a lot of these 2021 guys because it is such a good draft. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we can worry about that down the road. I'm just, you know, saying that when you look at this roster, you're, you're seeing it. And it might not make you happy at the start of this year because you're going to have a lot of the old dogs carrying the water because of the injuries to Derek White and Kelton. But as the year ends – you know, we're in the back half of it. We're going to see a lot more of what you want to see. 
Yeah. I mean, they've got the core. They've got, like, you, we just named seven or eight guys on this team. And, right uh, now. We haven't even talked about Devin Bissell, which I know is a big part of our preseason breakdown. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a point on the uh, rundown coming up here pretty soon. Uh, you mentioned a possible lottery pick. Um, I think given what we just saw in the preseason, that the chances of them being in the lottery are, are pretty high, right, guys? I mean, 0-3 through the preseason, does that, is that a concern for you guys, or is that more just missing Derek White, Kelton Johnson, and, and figuring things out? Don't care. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Tom. I, I, look, there's some element of a preseason – like, take, like, all right, so here's the thing. Here's what I will take away from it. You notice how LaMarcus Aldridge and Trey Lyles are shooting the ball like crap right now? They haven't played a game in nine months. So I think the guys who haven't played in the bubble are really struggling to get their legs underneath them to start the year. So they might struggle a little bit. Like, LaMarcus isn't going to hit a ton of three-pointers out of the gate. He didn't do that in the preseason. It was 21%. So – That's something that isn't alarming to me. It's something that tells me his legs aren't underneath him yet. Trey Lyles, he has a lot to show us this year, you know, but I am going to give him a little wiggle room out of the gates because his legs aren't underneath him yet. I do like what he's doing defensively. I think that outside of the the first game, he really kind of picked it up in games two and three on that side of the ball. So those are some things to watch. I, I, know, I know it makes you very angry watching the games and watching LaMarcus miss threes, but as long as he's taking those threes, I want those misses. I'm okay with those misses. Um, the Thunder game, the San Antonio Spurs run away with that Thunder game in the second half if they didn't bench everybody in the fourth quarter. So I don't even count that as a loss. They, like, the third quarter, they completely kicked the crap out of the Thunder. It was, it was their best quarter of the preseason, I think. And the real sad part is, is that in the last game against Houston, we didn't even have a chance to evaluate them seriously. They had an off night. Like, they just shot the ball terribly, you know? Like, there's probably going to be five times this year where they shoot that bad, like, out of a 72-game schedule. And we got one of them out of the way in the preseason. And when that happens, there's nothing to evaluate. They're not making shots, and not to mention the Rockets were making every shot. So you had a huge extreme on one end of on one end of the court and you had another extreme on the other end of the court. The two things I am concerned about three point defense slash transition defense that is concerning, but that is something that I know Popovich stresses in practice. I know that's something he stresses to the team. So I know that's a big emphasis moving forward. Uh, and I know that's a huge emphasis to the team during practice. So I expect that to improve. Um, the other part is consistency and finding a specific player to step up each and every night. Um, like Lonnie had that great game against Houston the first time around. And then the second time around, he played 29 minutes. I think he had two points, shot the ball three times. Like Lonnie, you can't do that, dude. Like you, I need you shooting. I need you shooting the ball. You cannot vanish on me offensively. So, you know, there are some things where I don't want to say I'm alarmed, but I think there is a little bit to it. Like, I don't think Lonnie and DeJounte are going to magically transform their games in two months of an offseason, right? Like what we saw in the bubble and their ability to finish at the rim and all this stuff, like that's not going to magically appear at the beginning of this year, two months later. Um, But what I would like to see is just Lonnie trusting his shot more. Um, You know, his, his passing continues to improve, all that stuff. I want him just being more of a focal point in the offense. And DeJounte, I just want him sometimes slowing down. And, 
And I, I want the ball out of his hands. I, I just, I rather him function as an off ball guy than him leading the charge. I just, we've seen it now for a few years. I just, I don't think that's his strength. I think he, especially in transition. Yeah. So with DeJounte then, I, I think this was a realization that I came to because there, there's been a lot of DeJounte slander on the timeline. I've seen people reacting to the Derek White extension like, oh, this makes DeJounte expendable. You don't need both of them. And it's like, well, I mean, Derek White's great on the ball. He's great off the ball. DeJounte, he's, he's been improving as a uh, playmaker for the last five years. Uh, he's been improving as a scorer for the last five years, but his his playmaking, his decision making is still, you know, I mean, that's something that he said coming into this year was a big focus for him, and you know, he made a lot of good decisions in those preseason games. He made some mistakes too, um, and I was thinking about how if Dejounte Murray, all he does is play like all NBA caliber defense, snag a bunch of rebounds. Uh, slash score at all three levels and like, you know, not do too much, that would still be great. Is he an all-star? Maybe not. But is he a, a fantastic contributor to a contending team? Yeah, he could be. Um, so, you know, I, w- I would love if he showed some serious growth in terms of, you know, playing the traditional point guard position. Right. But the player that he's shown himself to be is not a bad player because he's not the best at that. You know, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think his role needs to be, you know, a, a little bit more focused. And then, you know, as far as the, the O3 start goes, I think Jakob Pertle put it best when we asked him about it. He was like, you don't really focus on the result of the game. You focus on how you played and the process. And I mean, I'm encouraged by the volume of threes that the Spurs got. Yeah. I'm fairly confident that LaMarcus Aldridge and Trey Lyles aren't going to shoot like booty for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. I'm fairly confident they're not going to start many games, three of 27 from three. I don't see that happening very often. They're not that bad. They have a lot of, like, sure, they lost Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli, but they have a lot of guys on this roster who shoot above league average. If DeMar DeRozan and Drew Eubanks are trying a few a game, one a game even, it makes Jakob Pertl the only real non-shooter on the roster. So, we- I mean, they can, they can space it out and get shots up. And, you know, it's fine that they missed the shots in preseason. I'm just encouraged they're taking them. The thing that's uh, most concerning to me is the the lineup management still even with Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli gone you have a situation where you have four veterans on expiring deals all known as bucket getters all of their next deals are going to be somewhat linked to what they do maybe in the next you know two months maybe in the next four months five months but I mean they like if you have all of those guys, especially Rudy Gay, who, I mean, shouldn't play the three anymore. Um, LaMarcus probably shouldn't play the four anymore unless they're playing a too big team, which there really aren't that many of in the NBA today. So you got to understand what you got. And if you are going to use those players, you got to put them in the right spots to succeed in today's NBA. And going from bubble ball to 
keeping some of the players the same, but then having Rudy Gay and LaMarcus Aldridge enter the starting lineup for Jakob Pertl and Derek White, it's way slower. The perimeter defense is not as good. The interior defense is not as good. Um, and even if LaMarcus Aldridge and Rudy Gay play that way as well as they can, it's not going to be as natural as it was for the personnel that the Spurs used almost by default in the bubble with DeMar DeRozan at the four. Yeah. There were that first preseason game, it was uh, DeMar at the two and Rudy at the three. I hope we never see that again. Never, ever, ever. Not even if there's a fire. Tom, yeah. what, what would your starting five be? Um, I, was, I was very high on having Trey Lyles back in with this group, um, you know, right off rip, because I think his skill set really complements them well. But I think you're right that he doesn't have his legs under him yet. Um, so I, I would prefer to at least have Trey Lyles in there over Rudy Gay. Um, you could also, I mean, if Keldon Johnson is back, you might see Keldon Johnson at the four. Maybe not right away. Again, another guy who probably needs to get his legs under him. But, um, you know, if, if you go, if you're playing against a small team, you go DeMar at the four, maybe Devin Vassell at the three. Maybe. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna I say like that. I, I think Devin Vassell. Um, uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's not as hot a take as I thought, but uh, Vassell could clearly be a starter for the Spurs team the way he played in the preseason. Um, what what he offers? What would you say to to a Dejounte, uh, Dejounte, Lonnie, Vassell, Demar, Lamarcus lineup? Yeah, I'm all sure. About that. I say try it. Love it. While while love whites out, it. that's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, white, of course, well, white's out. Yeah, or when yeah. he comes back as a bench unit or whatever. Like, yeah, I, I, would, I would just Ginobili love to see that guy. group. Would love to see that group of players on the floor. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a it's a team that can play fast, that has a lot of playmakers out there. Uh, doesn't give up a lot defensively by having Demar play the four, because um, the other three guys are tremendous defenders, and Lamarcus is a guy who can anchor a defensive unit from that center position. We saw him two years ago now. Um, kind of kind of lead a what was a really strong defensive team from that spot um i'm not concerned about the zero and three guys uh, uh like you guys are saying it's it's more about what you can evaluate the defensive problems uh just going through the games they gave up 121 to the thunder and 128 to the rockets which isn't good um but really what i wanted to take away from it was whether or not the spurs walked the walk you know they talked a lot in training camp and media day and if you guys missed if you're listening to the podcast and you missed what they said go back and listen to the preseason um yeah that's about the the podcast it's about the length of the godfather right um but, but we put a lot of sound from them uh from the spurs players saying things that they are working on they're working for their goals for the season um and, and whether or not you guys think they followed through with that, one of the things they talked a lot about was Aldridge going to have to shoot the three-pointer this year. Um, and in that first Oklahoma City game, he shot 10. He ended up shooting uh, 19 throughout the preseason. Uh, Evan, as you said, 21%. Um, but you're still happy to see him shoot those shots, and, and he'll get the shots together, right? He'll, he'll start getting the legs underneath him on those shots. Yeah. I, that's Look, it, first off, and, and going off of what Tom said about Jakob Pertl, you know, the preseason isn't about results. It's about information. So it's, I know this is a results-based business once we hit the regular season, right? You win or you lose. It doesn't matter if you score 80 points and you win or you score 120 and you lose. Like, you know, the win is what matters. But 
when you look at what they're doing and you see LaMarcus showing a concerted effort to shoot three-pointers, I don't care that you're missing those shots. I know, I know that he is going to be a 38 to 40% three-point shooter when that sample size gets larger. So I need you to shoot. And even if you're shooting a lot more quantity and what you did last year was a, you know, we got to drop that number to 30, 36%, 35%, like shoot the dang three, you know, this is, this is an, uh, a perennial all-star. He's, he's a remarkable shooter. He's never been asked to really go beyond the arc until, you know, middle of last year. And we know that he can do it. And so the fact that he's doing it is what's important. I don't care about the 21%. LaMarcus is going to get buckets, okay? And I just need him to just stay away from those damn fadeaway shots. Like, you know, I just, unless you have a mouse in a damn house, please, I do not want to see a fadeaway shot. For the love of everything holy, I'm going to break my TV if I see those turnaround jumpers, like, all game. It just, like, like – Co-sign. Like, yeah. A hundred percent. You know, yeah. it just – once in a blue moon, if you want to rip it off because you're, you're having a, a type of day where, you know, LaMarcus three times a year drops, like, 50 on us and is, like, unstoppable. On those games, when you're feeling it, you know what? Go for it. I don't give a crap. Have fun. But most of the time – I know it's boring, dude, but just shoot the damn three-pointer, okay? It's like, welcome to the modern NBA. Yeah, I would, I would rather see him miss, like, four open threes in a row than try two fadeaway jump shots in a row. Right. If, if he plays like that for the rest of the year, I'm fine with that, even if his jumper is not good. But he shot, like, almost 40% from three last year. Yeah. And his his – Percentage might dip a little bit, but it's not going to dip below the average. Yeah. And that skill set at his size is going to be important if deployed in the right way. Not at the power forward position is what I'm saying. Um, and what we, saw, what we saw during the preseason, and he's wide open all the time on the pick and pops, especially with DeMar running and facilitating the offense, which, by the way, if you go back to all the podcasts we talked about last year, we love – DeMar facilitating the offense. He gets to drive, defense collapse, he kicks out, a whole nother offense starts to evolve. You know, LaMarcus is wide open for three-pointers, or, you know, you have a slash here. Like, so much happens when DeMar has the ball. Like, regardless of what you think of him, he is a problem, and defenses need to plan for him, because the minute that they start trying to evolve a game plan to stop LaMarcus at the three-pointer or, you know, try to play him straight up. He's just going to blow right by you and get layup after layup after layup. Like, DeMar is still one of the best bucket getters in the NBA, and he has to be accounted for. So him facilitating the offense helps everybody out, you know? And so that's, it's including Derek White once he gets on the floor. Agreed. Jackson, as far as your general question of did the Spurs walk the walk, I, I asked Popovich a version of this. Uh, you know, how do you feel you brought bubble ball to the preseason? And he basically was like, not very well. You know, we, the ball was sticking too much. We didn't get enough penetration and we didn't shoot enough open threes, essentially. And um, I think it's good that he sees that. I think that's that's a an encouraging sign that he's like, yeah, no, that's that's a problem. We need to do better at that. I just don't know if he's going to make the decision to 
do that through personnel, yeah. you know, which yeah. is within his power. You know, he can choose to not play Rudy Gay to, to start. Uh, he, can, he can make that choice. And Rudy Gay can still get buckets. I think he still will this year. But his feet are still just too slow on the perimeter for the most part. And that's part of why Spurs were getting torched defensively was, was heavy Rudy Gay minutes. Obviously yeah. not just one guy, but, you know, it's part of it. There, when it comes to walking the walk, there are three major points that I was kind of tracking within that thought. One of them being how they did with bringing the bubble Spurs back to the season and, and incorporating Aldridge in that. And like you said, Pop, Pop addressed that and said, you know, that didn't really work in the preseason. That's something I had to work on. Aldridge's three-point shooting was another one. And uh, that's why uh, here at the pod, we're creating the LMA three-point shot tracker. Uh, you know, every game we're going to show you the shots uh, that he took and, and make sure that, you know, he's taking the shots that we want to see. And if not, that's a problem that we'll, we'll address in the pod. Uh, and the third one being uh, FIBA Patty. You know, Patty Mills talked a lot this offseason about how fired all, up he was. All the smoke Patty is what I'm calling him this year. I'm all about it. He um, wants it all. He's, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, he, he was the guy, the facilitator, the driving mo- motor for that second unit, bringing FIBA Patty. And he looked pretty good in, in the preseason. I, w- I was impressed with his game. Yeah, you know, along with everybody else in that third preseason game, he wasn't making shots. But, uh, I mean, if you watched uh, the Thunder game and the first Rockets game, you know, he, he's being aggressive, and he's not just shooting three-pointers. He's doing a lot of that, that hesitation move that he does. You know, he'll kind of stop and, 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 you know, get a guy moving in his direction and blow right by him, the little, uh, you know, floating layup that he does. Uh, you know, he's a very versatile offensive player, uh, tends to be a little bit more aggressive on defense, which creates a lot of easy buckets for the opponent. Also, his hustle plays do create big moments as well in games. Just depends when you're going to get them. But for the most part, uh, Patty, I mean, I don't want to say for the most part, Patty walked the walk. He said he was going to be a very present player, that he was going to be aggressive on offense and bring that style to the Spurs. And that's what he did. You know, he's not hiding and he's not running a system. When he wants to get a bucket, he's going to get it. And honestly, that's fine. That's fine with me, uh, especially in that second unit, because I think really Patty has thrived as a second unit bucket getter for a little while now. And, and he's dominated most opponents by being a present in that second unit. Um, you know, I don't want to make any grandiose takes of where Patty Mills is in his career or where he matches up and, you know, with the league and, and certain, um, you know, statistical categories, whatever it might be. All I'm saying is that in the role that he plays in that second unit, I think he's fantastic. And I'm okay with him being aggressive, uh, even if, you know, there are um, a large contingency of Spurs who would rather see some younger players get some shots. I just, I, I think Patty Mills provides value. I think the thing that Patty's been talking about doing most, you know, when we talk about FIBA Patty, what is that, Right. And I think something that he's, uh, you know, said pretty clearly is it's more than just shooting and it's more than just guard stuff. It's just doing everything that you can, you know, sort of, sort of like Manu, right? Like how he has that knack, had that knack for whatever the team needed at that, at that point, whatever they needed on that play, 
he figured out a way to deliver that. And Patty has shown a very diverse skill set in the preseason. I'm very happy with what I've seen from him in that regard. Um, and it's fun to watch, right? Because he is penetrating more and that, that inherently creates for other guys, creates opportunities, and he does a great job of finding them. So, and, you know, as now somebody who doesn't have to share defensive minutes with Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli, he can hide on the worst guard. He doesn't get exposed quite as much. And he's a feistier defender than those two. So he doesn't get burnt quite as bad. And, you know, he, he's, he's absolutely did what he said he was going to do. All right, guys, it's time to uh, finally, I think we've, we've hinted at it uh, a few times here in the podcast, but let's have the Devin Vassell conversation because, um, boy, he's looked good. Uh, I, Tom, have you adopted him as a, as a son yet, or do I get those rights? How does this work? We can co-parent. Co-parent? No, I like that. We, we just a, make yeah, it. I trust you. He, he's yeah. son of the pod. Son of the pod. Son of son. we have big friends fun, of the pod and sons of the pod. pod. Son of pod. <laughs> so we'll work on the name of this. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a sponsored segment for our post game shows. The big fun go. pod, son of the pod. Of There's the an acronym the in there, right? Uh, the BFPSOP. The big fun yeah, we'll pod. Out. We'll pod brought to you by Lexus. Get, get let's let's get back to that offline. We'll figure okay. it out. Uh, okay. Steal of the draft. Steal of the draft. Or is that what we're calling? Among out? them. Okay. Yeah, among them. I mean, he when when the Spurs had a choice between him and Halliburton, they had two guys who everybody else was going to be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he fell to the Spurs." And they they picked the one that was more of a positional need. Um, and Vassell, I mean, he looks so good. I can't imagine Pop not playing him after watching the tape because the tape is so good. <laughs> like his defense, I mean, it's instinctual, but it's also very well measured. Like his gambles don't often result in uh, in good plays for the offense. It's it's quite often him throwing the monkey wrench very accurately into whatever they're trying to do. And I believe led rookies in steals in the preseason with like three a game. Uh, looked excellent shooting the ball showed flashes of shot creation, passed the ball really well. Um, and, you know, Coach Pop, everybody seems really high on him as an all-around player, not just a 3 and D guy. So I can't imagine Pop watching this tape and saying, yeah, he's not that ready. Let's send him to Austin. You know, we've been saying since Devin Vassell got drafted that he's going to play probably more minutes than any rookie since Kawhi. And I think he's very much on track to do that. He played a ton of minutes in the preseason oh. and was hugely uh, effective. So I, I think he's going to be a key rotation piece this year. Man, he is just so good. And we said this, you know, this is why you got to listen to the big fun pot. All right. We said this when during the draft, he does a lot of things really well. Um, where his ceiling is on some of those traits, unsure. But the fact of the matter is, he really doesn't have a minus mark in any part of his game. He really fills out a stat sheet and what he can do on the court extremely well. And you just feel his presence. And a lot of the time, I mean, he couldn't save the team on the, the terrible night, the, the third game of the, the preseason, um, as we can keep going back to it. But, but man, just all over the place. And, and as you said, uh, 
you know, the, the, the biggest thing for me was the, the no fear sort of deal. I mean, he's pulling up, he's taking his shots, he's shooting threes. He, you know, like Trey Lyles got on the court. Sorry, Trey Lyles. Trey Jones, that's going to be a mess. Uh, Trey Jones got on the court for some time. And when Trey got in there, just offensively speaking, wasn't – he didn't want to take his shot, right? I think he was cool playing defense and facilitating and doing that stuff, which is fine. That's really what his – job is to do he's a very traditional point guard um but he's he showed no sense of urgency to really even be a part of the offensive game and that's what you tend to see with a lot of rookies often is you know I don't want to make a mistake and I don't want to put up too many shots and you know lose my confidence there so I'm just going to let other people take the shots and I'll do all the other things uh but Vassell is not scared at all he's coming in he's doing his thing and that was great to see uh another thing that that I see a lot in Spurs Twitter world is like, you know, oh, well, if, you know, Keldon and Derek weren't injured, Vassell would be in Austin right now. And, like, you know, this is what happens when you play rookies and yada, yada, yada. Uh, reminder, Vassell is the best selection, like, pick-wise, that the Spurs have had since Tim Duncan. So you inherently got a really good prospect. Some, something the Spurs have not gotten for 20-plus years because they've been so darn good and consistent, all right? Like, Lonnie Walker was a, a fairly high selection. Like, has he, has he proven that he deserved to play, like, immediately versus going to Austin? Not necessarily. I think, I think Keldon probably did that uh, a little bit. I, I think the, the, the team got a little bit stingy on Keldon after just completely annihilating uh, the G League. But, you know, he was a back-end selection in the first round. Um, so, I mean, he was, a, he was a top 15 pick. He's uber-talented. And he's, he's getting his opportunity to play. They didn't, they didn't take away minutes from him for, a guy, you know, for somebody else. Not like Drew Eubanks was in there taking those minutes from him or, or anybody else who's been there longer. He's logging a, a crap ton of minutes. They're trying to get him experience ASAP. And why are they doing that? Because they love what they see. So um, it, it just there's nothing but high marks for Vassell. My worries aren't with Vassell on, on the immediate future. It's what are we going to see when we get to game 50? And, you know, rookies tend to get run down with an NBA type of schedule, playing every other day versus two times a week, which is what you're, you're doing in college. Um, so we'll see how much the grind gets to him as we get later into the season. Uh, but yeah, outside of just like naturally filling out, which is something that he'll do over time. He was taken by the Spurs a month ago. So we're not going to see major physical transformations for a little bit, but um, man, do you love what you're seeing right now? I, I agree with most of that, but I don't think, I don't see Trey Jones as, like, scared. He's a really good distributor. In his first game, I think he created, like, five or six open shots, most of which were missed because the yeah. Spurs shot like booty. But, you know, he's, he looks like a very natural point guard. He looks comfortable out there, uh, even if he doesn't have that, like, you know, scores mentality, yeah, which I don't think I he really That's should. That's fair. I, I think part of it's knowing his role, and he looks very confident and comfortable in that role. And I really like the way that he's found Devin Vassell in his spots. Those two have had, have had some really yeah. nice interplay. And, and, 
I like Trey Jones. My point is I think he can be more of an offensive player than he lets on. Right. That, that's sort of my deal. And I know his shot wasn't particularly great in college, uh, like percentage-wise, but he showed great strides his sophomore year at Duke versus his freshman year. I think he, I think he can provide a little bit more there than maybe what, what he necessarily believes, but I understand that that's not his top option. That's not what he's, his bread and butter is. Evan, kind of going back to your point, there, there are different draft picks you take for different reasons, right? And, and unfortunately for Luka Shamanich, I think he's going to always kind of be paired up with the pick made the next year, right? It's Shamanich and then Vassell and, and who the two guys are. Completely different opposite players coming into the league. Shamanich, a very raw prospect, and Vassell, a much more polished player, ready to go from the jump. Um, the book's not closed on Shamanich, and I, and I think, you know, he played in the preseason, he got minutes in the preseason, still looked pretty raw um, across the board, but I, he's still a guy who could be a contributor three years down the line, unlike what we're seeing with Vassell, you know, he's coming in right away, he, he looks NBA ready. Um, I, I, I think you're correct, both of you guys kind of spoke to the confidence that he showed. I was surprised, even after listening to you guys after the draft, uh, wax poetic about what Vassell can do. His decision making and his ability to find his shot and create his shot, and also find the open guy. He had some some pretty strong assists, uh, especially in that first game against Oklahoma City. Um, I, he's a really impressive guy, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play with these guys, the, the young core here. Um, yeah, and I just want to say uh, with with Shamanich, uh, he he needs more time. You know, he was a project. He was drafted as a project. Shocker, projects take a while. Um, but yeah, there's. He's still he's still deer in headlights out there. He he just he just seems like he's thinking and playing versus just playing. I would just yeah. like him to go out there, make mistakes, miss shots, just do what you do, man. You're you're so athletically gifted. If you watch his Austin film, he, he has a lot of he has a lot of tools in a tool bag. Just I just need him to go out there and just stop thinking. Like and, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to close the book on closing the book on Luka Shamanich for the next like two years. Like we don't need that discuss. Like if, if we, if Luka Shamanich isn't doing anything, we do not need to bring him up on this show. You know, what's Luka Shamanich doing? He's figuring it out. Mm-hmm. He's a 20 year old. Like I, I love seeing these people right off a 20 year old. This kid can't legally have a glass of wine. Yeah, he's 6'11". Yeah, I think he's I changed seen... my major twice when I was uh, 20 years old. So, so I'm with him. You know, he's figuring it out. When I was 20 <laughs> years old, I was putting Cheez-Its on my freezer pizzas. That's come on. That's something we got to circle back to. By the way, <laughs> it's actually really good. Throw some jalapenos on there. Oh, I'm just saying. Uh, um, we are not you're... going to be the podcast for nutrition. Evidently. I'll just mute myself. You're, you're breaking the hearts of, of your fellow New Yorkers um, here in what you, how you desecrated the pizza. Ugh. Find me good pizza in Boston outside of the North End. I'll wait. Maybe that's a snack that Tom will prepare uh, as the team prepares to, to tip off in their opening game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, that's tomorrow night, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, uh, December 23rd. Um, what do you guys expect to see uh, from the team in their, in their first game here? I don't know. That's the, that's the thing because consistency I think is going to be the issue with the Spurs. You know, I'm going to be somebody who's going to play devil's advocate a lot this season because there's going to be flashes of greatness where we're like, Oh crap, this is what 
they could be. And then there are going to be flashes of just terrible play. I'm going to say, all right, well, that's going to be part of the deal. I think, uh, I don't know, <clears throat> because last year we had um, a game where the Spurs shot the living crap out of the ball and just dominated the Grizzlies. And then they went back there and things went south. <clears throat> Grizzlies didn't have the best bubble experience. Um, so I think maybe, um, you know, and the, and the steam's going to be high on the Grizzlies also coming into the year. A lot of people are going to be all over them. I think they made some really good offseason moves as well. Um, I think they have a shot. Spreads three. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, just, I just hope that I see more of the bubble system. You know, I, I want them to shoot in threes, and hopefully the defense tightens up. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see better lineups. I would love, love to see different lineups. Um, but I, I think the matchups I'm most excited to watch are who's guarding John Morant, how do they do, how does he do, uh, how, how much does Devin Vassell play, and I would really love to see uh, rookie Trey Jones get to uh, get his first regular season NBA minutes uh, in a game against his older brother, Tyus, who is backup point guard for the Grizzlies. I think that'll be really fun to watch. Um, so uh, obviously you hope they play well. Obviously you hope LaMarcus Aldridge and Trey Lyles hit their shots and, you know, the ball's moving and people are driving and kicking and, you know, making the right plays. Um, I want to see better defense uh, and, you know, where Pop has owned me twice in the past week, uh, and the first time, first time or second time was when I asked, you know, what do you what do you hope to see in this game? And he was he like laughed at me and was like, I hope they play well. What else What else would I hope for? I hope they play well. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the Fiesta jerseys. You know, they're going to unveil them oh, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, that's going to be nice. Um, other than that, you know, it's, it's all about this team finding its groove. You know, it's a three-game preseason. That, that's a little shorter time they had in the training camp. Evan, as you mentioned, Lyles and Aldridge are still trying to find their feet nine months out without a game, you know. Um, uh, so it's just going to be a work in progress for this team, especially without Derek White and, and working through the injuries of White. And we don't even know if Johnson's going to be available tomorrow. I think he still lists his day-to-day. That op- affords you the opportunity to get Trey, Trey Jones in the game and to get Devin Vassell more minutes um, and play those guys. Uh, last year, John Morant torched the Spurs for 22 points, 14 rebounds, or 14 assists, and seven rebounds. Um, I think Dejounte Murray has to lock him down a little bit better than that. Yeah, I, I don't like even care if Dejounte plays offense. Just take care of him. Like that should be his role. Just take Ja out of the game. Is, is Ja going to get MVP votes this year? Is he is he going to find find his way into that? Is that the step we're seeing? Or, uh, no, no. Okay, he, <laughs> Maybe, least, he might get All Star votes. I think yeah, he's MVP clearly. I think he's definitely going to end up being an all star. I think he's going to take that <laughs> step, but uh, maybe a season too early for all star. I, I think. I think this is going to be the Doncic year. I'm with you, um, Doncic, Jokic. Uh, I think we'll both get votes. Um, I had another third guy in there that was pretty sneaky about. I would be surprised if Durant finishes in the top three too. But we'll, we'll talk yeah. more about big picture regular season stuff. I think later down the line. Um, after the Memphis game, they come home to the Raptors. Uh, that game is the 26th. Um, you know, playing to no one, but still it's the home opener. Um, big things to see there. Um, this Raptors team, I think, is has re- found a way to rebuild themselves. Um, but, I mean, they're, they're without 
Serge Ibaka, without Marcus Saul, obviously Kawhi la- uh, left uh, before the last season. It's not the championship team coming to town. Um, Pascal Siakam didn't have a great bubble experience, um, but a lot of buzz around OG and Ubi and what he's going to do this season. Um, what's the Raptors matchup look like? I think the Raptors have really built a team around versatility. Um, you know, even with the departures that they've had, uh, they they have an interesting roster that I'm excited to see how the Spurs match up against. Um, you know, and obviously anytime uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry get to be like cute together, I want to see that. So, yeah, I, I think the, the Raptors and the Spurs are very similar because they're two teams bringing back a lot of personnel that they're familiar with. So what we've seen over the past year the, the couple of matchups is probably what we're going to get. I, I don't know if we're going to have a, a remarkable comeback like they had in Toronto last year, but they played close. Um, yeah, that was a weird game. And then the Kobe Bryant game was also weird for other things. So um, it should be a close game. Yeah, I think uh, this game affords them the ability to kind of tinker with the lineups, you know, figure out what they're going to do and really respond to what the Raptors do. You know, Tom, you mentioned their versatility and how the Spurs match up with that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of DeRozan at the four this game um, compared to the, the Grizzlies one. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to seeing them on the home court, you know, and, and playing like that. Uh, and then, of course, the between now and the next time we record, they'll also have a matchup against the New Orleans Pel- the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, you know, the Spurs, of course, were at the uh, the receiving end of Zion's first game uh, the last time these teams played, or, or the first, uh, when they played last year. Um, Zion, uh, a guy who uh, everyone's looking to see take another step as well. Uh, what, the, what can the Spurs do against him? Keldon Big Body Johnson, baby. I know he wants that assignment. I know he does. If he's, sure crazy. if he's back, if he's so. back, I'm sh- I'm sure he wants to to guard him. Uh, <laughs> Devin Vassell, as we've mentioned, doesn't quite have the body yet. Uh, so who who guards Zion? An excellent question for any team facing the the New Orleans Pelicans. Something I'm glad I don't have to decide. Yeah. Uh, is it Rudy Gay? God, I hope not. It's probably going to. Is be it Rudy Trey Gay. Lyles? I mean, that might be worth a shot. Uh, if it's not Keldon, it's uh, scary, scary hours. I, I do expect the Spurs to actually win that game. I just think the Pelicans are going to need a, a couple of weeks to get their identity figured out, which is what they had to do last year when Zion entered the picture. Just, you know, short turnaround is going to affect a lot of teams with turnover and figuring out an identity. So I'm interested to see how the Pelicans look with, shut, with coming into the season and turning over the way they did. So of those three games at Memphis versus Raptors at New Orleans, do you think the Pelicans is the one they have the best chance of winning? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think they have a chance to win them all. I, have, yeah. I think there's a chance they can lose them all. It, I don't know if I, I rate one over the other more yeah. so. I, I lean towards the Pelicans as being a win um, more than the other two, but that's not – to say that that's like a dramatic margin. It's just like my gut says, I think they can, they're going to win the Pelicans game. I think the other two are toss ups. I think the Grizzlies and Pelicans games are good, like early season measuring sticks. Um, You know, those are two teams that you're probably going to need to beat if you want to make that play in tournament. 
So um, I, I think it'll be a good early barometer. Um, I think they can take Memphis too. I think the Pelicans should be a win. I think the Grizzlies could be a win. If they beat the Raptors, I'll be excited. Uh, if they don't, I won't be mad. Yeah. Um, but those, the first game and the third game, I think are going to be the most interesting for us. I, 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 would, I would be more surprised if this team was uh, 3-0 and than if they were 0-3. Uh, but I do think they've got chances in these games. Raptors won, will be especially tough. Um, but I'm looking forward to see how they match up against uh, one of – the top four teams in the Eastern Conference, top five teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, it's going to be like this for the rest of the, the season, though. I mean, these Western Conference teams are going to battle it out. It's a, it's a pretty deep conference, especially with Steph Curry coming back. Um, the Suns are going to be tremendous this year, uh, building on what they did in the bubble in the offseason. Um, the, the Thunder, again, are another one of those teams that's going to really be tough to beat. So, I mean, you've got to play well against the Western Conference when you can. Um, but how that barometer plays out, what we see on the court, we will address next week in the Big Fundamental Podcast. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, I just want to clear the, clear the paint real quick. Uh, Tom, pass you the ball. You can ISO here. Uh, thoughts on the latest James Harden drama? Oh, is there drama? I didn't even know. <laughs> um, hold on, let he me, threw a let basketball at a teammate was the latest report I saw. So. Let, me, let me pull it up here. Um, I, I see a tweet here that says, watch James Harden attend maskless stripper Christmas party after throwing basketball at teammate. Adam Silver had instructed NBA players to stay away from COVID booty and strip clubs. Uh, that's not great. As far as throwing a basketball at his teammate, I mean, that's just what really talented people with beards do, right, Jackson? And their teammates put up with it because they know how great their teammates are. Right, Jackson? Yeah. Does this feel like Jimmy That's Butler last year? Does this feel like Jimmy Butler last year causing problems to, to get out of Minnesota? No. Or, or is this just Harden? J- but Jimmy Butler's causing problems were so, like, incredibly macho and amazing. This is going to, like, clubs in a pandemic. Like... Like I, I already have a pretty good brand for my takes on James Harden, but bro, I swear if you get somebody sick because you're you're out in this, uh, and blow up the the safety of of this restart for people, like that's that's on another level. Like it, do do whatever you want with the team, lay waste to the Houston Rockets franchise. I will not be sad about that, but like don't endanger people. At the, at the end of the day. Or, 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 yeah, or your team. I mean, even even beyond the engagement, which you're talking about, which is number one priority, but, you you know, if you get sick, everybody else in the team gets sick, games get canceled, you know, it, it, you know it's just, it's selfish. It's just yeah. selfish. And it, gets, it's way, it can be way worse than games get canceled, you know? Yeah. Like... Like Carl Towns just talked about losing seven family members yep. to coronavirus. Um, I I wonder how he feels about Harden taking this stuff so lightly. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's not something to take lightly, and that's you know a whole a whole conversation about the the safety component. But um, you know, everybody has to do their part. And uh, if he's not doing his part on his team, that's fine. 
but you got to do your part on on the safety protocols that's bare minimum absolutely and maybe that's um, part of the ploy maybe it's maybe it's like i'm i'm in the club i can't i can't come back i got to i got to spend a week testing again you know maybe that's part of it but like you know just please man do not be silly this that's for for everybody in the nba do not be silly in general I think it's a message that, you know, goes on to the NBA yeah. fans as well. You know, here at the Big Fun Pod, we, we'd like all of our uh, listeners to stay safe when they can. So um, it's just the, the thing to do right now. Um, that's what we've got for this week, though. Uh, we'll wrap it there. Um, that's Evan Klosky up there. Any final thoughts uh, as we start the season? Oh, let's get it. That's all my right. final thought. <laughs> that's at Evan Klosky if you want to follow him on Twitter. And that's at Real Tom Petrini, the newest member of the Blue Checkmark Club. A lot of fakes out there. <laughs> so make sure you follow the real one. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to do that with the, with the blue check, so that feels good. Thank you, everybody. We're going to be like uh, 9,000 followers. I think my next banger tweet, I can't wait to do the over 9,000 video. That's yeah, going to be fun. It's, it's saved in his drafts, ready to go. Oh, yeah, you know it. And, of course, follow the pod at Big Fun Pod and tune into Kins 5 for all your Spurs coverage. Uh, Evan will be on TV for that. Tom and I are on the digital end at Kins5.com. Uh, and uh, be sure to like and subscribe to the pod wherever you listen. Uh, and we'll see you next time when we talk about the first three games of the regular season and what's ahead for the Spurs team. We'll see you then. 